This episode is brought to you by 1-800-MOM-WORRY, the 1-800-ADVICE line for teenagers that need advice. Your religious moms are sometimes too busy proselytizing and protesting gay funerals to answer the call. That's where 1-800-MOMMY-WORRY comes in. Just call in toll-free and ask for advice or permission to experience the warm matronly concern that only real moms can give. Just listen to these real calls. Mom? I think it's time that I should start wearing a bra. Hey mom, can I go out with some friends to the movies tonight? I saw a skirt at the mall. It's $50, which seems like a lot, but it really looks nice. Mom, can we talk? I've never been I've never felt at home in my body and I think I'm going to transition into living as a woman. Can I have some ice cream? They're all gonna love you. Call 1-800-MOMMY-WORRY today. Is this a metal thing? Yes. to Horror Movie Talk, your panel of expert hosts each week are me. I'm Dr. Bryce Hansen. I hold a PhD in spookology. <laughs> and across from the Washington State sits Professor David Day, the foremost export in scareball bleeps. New theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. That's right, Bryce. Today we're, we got a great episode for you guys. We're going to be talking about one of the biggest tentpole classics ever to hit horror. Carrie. That's right. Um, after much uh, complications, technically... <laughs> If if you wonder why we change shirts halfway through the episode, don't worry about it. Uh, so before we get into it, go to our website, horrormovietalk.com. There you'll find links to all the things. Um, we appreciate you doing that. We especially appreciate our patrons. Go to patreon.com slash horrormovietalk to learn of all the perks and, and uh, benefits that you can get by joining that. We post new episodes every Wednesday Call 682-253-4468 to leave us a voicemail or if you have any questions for us. Um, if you're new to the show, we start out by giving a brief synopsis and review. And then our score for the movie, we score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being miserable. Uh, and 5 being an average film that hits all the expected marks. And then 10 being so good it transcends genre boundaries. After we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. So if you haven't seen Carrie yet... Um, you're behind by about 50 years. Um, but if you want to wait, you can skip 
the spoiler section until you've seen it. Later on, we'll be playing a game called Horror Movie Whores. And uh, where we listen to your voice meows. Um, so, yeah, we went and watched the original 1976 Carrie, and it was bloody good fun. Here's the trailer. It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. Everybody is there, even Carrie White. The girl no one likes. We're all sorry about this incident, Cassie. It's Carrie! And everyone makes fun of her. The girl who lives in that creepy house with her crazy mother. Help the silly woman see the sin of her days and ways. Show her that if she had remained sinless, the curse of blood would never have come on her. The girl with the strange power. If I concentrate hard enough, I can move things. But tonight, no one will laugh at Carrie. If you don't have a date for the prom next Friday, would you like to go with me? She's with the best-looking boy in the senior class. He's trying to trick me again. She'll be voted queen of the prom. You know, I can make sure that you don't hurt Carrie White anymore. For Carrie, it will be a dream come true. For everyone else, it will be a nightmare. (laughs) Carrie. (laughs) New film by Brian De Palma. Based on the chilling bestseller. Starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, and introducing John Travolta in his first motion picture role. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie. How great was that trailer? I loved it. I just loved it. I got to tell you, buddy. Carrie can be found on Hoopla for free or available for rent elsewhere. And I guess on Tubi. That's supported. Um, in this film adaptation of, still, of Stephen King's first novel, Carrie White, played by Sissy Spacek, is a super sheltered teenage girl being raised by a religious fanatic mom um, while going to high school. In the first scene, we see Carrie experience her first menstruation in the girls' locker room, and she is utterly unequipped and humiliated. She she's, revent- <clears throat> she's relentlessly bullied by the other girls, and as a result, they are punished and some seek revenge. I guess just one, really. Um, the film shows Carrie's journey from being an outcast to being a self-actualized young woman, albeit in a tragic way. All along, the audience is privy and sympathetic to the train wreck slowly unfolding. Carrie was a surprise hit in 1976. Uh, off a budget of $1.6 million, it grossed over $30 million in the box office. Brian De Palma, the director, skillfully adapted Stephen King's novel to the screen. There are several other adaptations of the same novel, but this 1976 version is the only one that is unforgettable. It walks the line between dark comedy, horror, melodrama, all successfully. 
the over-the-top cruelty and humiliation portrayed in the film uh, doesn't seem ridiculous in the setting of high school because they represent the inner distorted world that every teenager experiences in high school. Uh, it's the cinematic equivalent of a teenager's imaginary audience. Some of the characters are more caricatures than people, but the one that counts most is Carrie, and all the others serve to make hers compelling and believable. Her reactions and countenance seems insane until you meet her fanatic mother and the pieces all fall into place. What does countenance mean? Your appearance. I know, but I'm asking so that other people will know. <laughs> just like your your overall vibe and, and appearance, you know? Oh, why didn't you just say vibe? The film deserves its place as one of the most iconic horror films of all time. It's enjoyable and unforgettable. It's unique, strange, and somehow extremely relatable. Um, I really loved it. Um, I don't see anything wrong with it, even though it's it's at times bizarre and at times like like it's not. I don't know everything that that De Palma does or every decision he makes in it to like modify the the storyline or or like exaggerate stuff seems to to uh really land so um i give it a 10 out of 10 this just in bryce hansen thinks carrie is good <clears throat> yeah no um how many times would you say you've seen this movie throughout your life um i mean at least two now i think only two i think i've watched it before and then for this I think I've caught this, you know, pieces, bits and pieces of this enough to have seen it maybe five times, maybe five or six times throughout my life. Um, mostly broken up <clears throat> by TBS, <laughs> you know, and um, every time it's just off putting, you know, it's just it's uh, the casting in it is strange in a lot of different ways. It's great. Um, the, the, the vibe that it gives is one of, um, re it's really seventiesy. Like, I mean, deeply like when I think of the seventies, I think of this Texas chainsaw and some lesbian vampire movies, you know, like, like th this is so perfectly encapsulates the 70s uh in in terms of cinema it's kind of crazy um it may be like the poster child for 70s cinema to in my head uh brian de palma like somehow sits really back way far like you can't tell there's there it's weird because as you're watching it doesn't feel like a bunch of a directorial choices it feels just like a really solid movie that kind of like waffles in and out of uh, like dream states and it, especially towards the end. And um, <clears throat> and it's weird to think that this is the same guy who a couple years later did Scarface. Uh, yeah, I can't remember it's, if it's in the recording that's actually going to get salvaged uh, for video. But yeah, we I, I think we talk about this later about like his place as a director um he comes up with the same cohort um with spielberg george lucas 
uh, Martin Scorsese and um, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, like they all appear at the exact same time and they're all friends and are very supportive of each other's work. And out of those names, Brian De Palma is the one that is least talked about as an auteur director with impact in Hollywood because he's not supposedly not nearly as successful but also he has some huge movies that are iconic but they're not attached to him as a director like you talk about the uh, the godfather and you're like oh yeah that's francis ford coppola that's what he did you talk about you know goodfellas or you know well any number of things that spielberg did is or or star wars and it's all like you all associate him with the director they brought that into being um when people talk about the untouchables, do they talk about Brian De Palma? Like when they talk about the first mission impossible, is it, or Scarface or Carlito's way, like all of which are fantastic, like standout movies. Um, but Brian De Palma isn't like talked about as, you know, a great director, you know, and he is. He's fantastic. I think this is not like me joking or anything. I think Mission to Mars somehow soiled his his legacy tremendously. He was one of these guys that started out very art house and was like very much was doing a lot of art films. And it took a while for him to like find commercial success. And this is one of the first like really successful um like widely successful before he had like some others um uh body double or something like that but just never never had like huge um um commercial success and there's some in his career there's some like huge commercial successes and some legendary flops like he is responsible for um, what a lot of critics think is one of the biggest flops of all time, which was the bonfire, of the vanities. And I read a, there's a book about that production. That's really fascinating. If you want to learn about like film production and what it's like to make a, a movie in Hollywood, um, that book, it's called, um, the devil's, what is it called? Bonfire to the Vanities had Tom Hanks. Uh, the Devil's Bruce Candy. Willis yeah. Had Tom Hanks, Bruce Willis, Kim Cattrall, Morgan Freeman in it yeah. in 1990. That's crazy. It's a huge... Well, yeah, so this is the thing. It was based off... The film was based off of a Tom Wolfe novel. Um, and I get, I don't know that much about Tom Wolfe, but apparently, like, the the novel is very heady and very like um dry um and just portrays like rich people the rich people characters in it as like very dry and and has a lot of wit around like how it treats the topic and stuff and portraying that in a hollywood movie didn't translate but yeah, this this book called The Devil's Candy, The Anatomy of a Hollywood Fiasco 
outlines like the full production of it from beginning to end and it's fascinating um and one of the main takeaways is like bruce willis is a douche (laughs) and uh and uh just the 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 optimism in the beginning of a production of like a a huge property and the optimism throughout and like the compromises and stuff that happens in the middle of production and the choices for the source material and and how to interpret it for film um seem all reasonable and then in the end like experiencing the flop (laughs) and like how much of a pariah it makes the director it's really interesting so but back to back to carrie like this movie uniquely is capable of making me feel so icky and gross um but just just with um with vibe uh, and with uh, character reactions and with um, poor, poor Carrie. Like, you're talking about just the, just the, this poor girl ha- gets it from every angle. There is no, there's no respite in her life. She, she is awkward at school and she gets made fun of. Even the teacher who's trying to help her smacks her around in her deepest, darkest, saddest moment, which is finding out that women menstruate in a public girl's shower um, and having a freak out. Her teacher hits her and then she goes home um, and her mom blames her for being a girl. And it's just so nasty and and portrays high school but also like religion uh like a lot of a lot of like personal religious life in such a raw light that i mean it just at my core makes me feel icky and gross and at its core it is a revenge movie that is so satisfying and could be set to metal music um, just like none other. Like, this one hits just right uh, in terms of just being phenomenally uh, satisfying in revenge. And then the end is so dreamlike and weird and comes in with this crazy jump scare that is still so effective, like... I don't know how they did it, but they did it to me again. Like this watch through, I, I freaked out at the end. I was like, "Whoa, oh no!" Um, and uh, yeah, I, it's great. This is uh, this is a crazy movie. I think this is one of the very few Stephen King adaptations that Stephen King was like, "That's a good adaptation." Yeah. Well, Stephen King is really a cheerleader for anyone that is going to adapt his work. I don't think. In the rare exception, like, he wasn't a fan of uh, Kubrick's um, adaptation. Um, Yeah, so, what score did you give it? Oh, easy. Yeah, no no doubt. 10 out of 10, for sure. Yeah. Well, before we get into spoilers, um, we should mention that you might have just heard some commercials, and you're just... 
hold on to your butts because we're going to promote some stuff right now. But you should know you don't need to listen to it every week. You can just go to our Patreon.com slash Horror Movie Talk and subscribe at a certain level that gives you no commercials and early access to episodes. So do what that. What do what it. Do it. Do it. I dare you. Do it. Price do of it. a cup of coffee. You can just not experience commercials. Oh, you you could you could you could be a good person and support the show that gives you a bunch of free content every single every single week and get a bunch of cool shit. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, for just mere like a, a quarter a day, you can get HMT ad free. Um. Also, go check out our website horrormovietalk.com. Our shop is at horrormovietalk.com/shop. There we got logo tees and other stuff you can buy and support the show. Um, go to Instagram uh, and hit up Dustin Gobel. He's at djobel00. That's D-G-O-E-B-E-L-0-0. And uh, you can hit up for commissions. He makes all the awesome artwork for us for each episode, and we really appreciate him and ask you to support him. Call 682-253-4468 to leave us a voicemail or if you have any questions. Um, and with that, we'll get into spoilers. I'm going to change my clothes real quick. Okay. Okay. See you in a minute. Okay. And we're back (laughs) on a different platform. Listeners, let me take you on a journey. (laughs) Let me let me paint a, a picture with a brush for you. Uh, for weeks now, Bryce and I uh, do not live in the same place anymore. Therefore, we are in different places. That's how not living in the same place works. And um, and uh, we've been dealing with some minor technical difficulties with recording the podcast, and uh, so we're just. Just happy campers, <laughs> rocking and rolling. <laughs> so we're trying a new uh, we're trying a new platform mid recording. So good luck, fart. <laughs> On editing, we're having, this. A, having a good time. Uh, um, so, anyways, we left off. If it sounds weird, we left off. Uh, David was talking about the cast, and then we both froze and we rage quitted. Uh, so, anyways, let's let's talk about the cast here. So, Nancy Allen, Nancy Allen, uh, uh, plays Chris Harginson, and she's like the main antagonist. Some other people you might recognize, P.J. Souls plays Norma. She's the one with the red hat at all times, apparently, and she you might recognize from Halloween, the original Halloween. She's the girl who gets stabby stabbed. Yeah. Na- By the way, yeah, uh, Chris Hargison is in all the RoboCops. She's the... Nancy Allen. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, Nancy Allen also married Brian De Palma after this movie. And is in a lot of his movies, actually. Uh, John Travolta, of course. Um, he was just coming off of Welcome Back, Cotter. I think he was actually... It's during the run of, of Welcome Back, Cotter where he, he got his original fame, pre-Greece. Yeah, this is all pre-Greece. It's important to know. You'll remember him from such big, big hits as The Devil's Reign and Medical Center. <laughs> um, 
And then other people, maybe Sissy Spacek. Um, I mean, she's in a, a lot of stuff. She's still working. Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of casts that married people, I believe it was... Oh, who was it? Steven Spielberg apparently was on set. Like, <laughs> So they're they're filming this movie, and this kind of tells you, like, we're talking about that kind of cohort of auteur directors. And I guess uh, Brian De Palma calls up Steven Spielberg. And he's like, hey, you should, you should come by. We've got a lot of hot girls out here. <laughs> and he, like, comes by while they're filming and meets... Uh, one of his wives, I think Amy Irving, maybe he he comes by and he's like, my wife, <laughs> he, he marries someone from, from the, the cast and actually has a son with her. Uh, so lots of, uh, lots of intermingling going on. Yeah, this was, this was definitely, I mean, so much of Hollywood is using full grown 30-year-old adults or 25-year-old adults to play, you know, 17-year-old uh, kids. So, and this is definitely not immune to that. Right. Let me find out which Steven. You have a uh, you have a, a mention in here in your notes of the De Palma uh, using psycho stings, the, uh, the audio stings. Right. Lots of reet uh, throughout. Right. To denote to denote Carrie's power, um, whenever she she uses it, which is super effective. Uh, the way he uses it, uh, he he he's got those levels turned way way up. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, um, it's interesting. Like he, that's from Psycho, and and he's like self admittedly like a, a student of Alfred Hitchcock, and and the several of his first movies were also um scored by that same composer that did psycho like he he did his the last movies that those composers did that that composer did was for brian de palma's movies to the point where like he literally died a couple days after the final session i think maybe for obsession i can't remember which movie was the last one but um yeah definitely loves that that type of music um Oh, another interesting thing about the cast I was going to mention uh, before I move on from that was the casting for this movie was concurrent with George Lucas casting Star Wars. And so they basically he basically called up George and was like, hey, let's cast our movies together. And so basically any rejects from Star Wars like Brian De Palma got. So a lot of these... Uh, a lot of these actors and actresses uh, also um, auditioned for Star Wars. I'm pretty sure John Travolta did. Um, I think Nancy <laughs> Allen um, Who? John was Travolta up for play Chewbacca. <laughs> hey, <laughs> he'd play Han. Like, oh shit, he would. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's like some sort of weird alternate. Hey, I'm universe. not a nerf herder. <laughs> it's some sort of weird alternate universe, like reality kind of shit, where it's like yeah. George Harrison is not uh, Han Solo. Like, dang. Yeah. Also, 
<coughs> Sissy Spacek. Originally, he wanted uh, De Palma wanted to cast Amy Irving as Carrie, like she was like pretty much slated for it. And then Sissy Spacek asked if she could audition, and sis he knew sissy spacek like she was the girlfriend of like his set designer in i think it was phantom of the something this weird musical movie um but she was just like production staff and she asked to audition and the day of the audition was going to be over a commercial um that she was going to record. She basically asked Brian De Palma, like, should I audition for your movie or should I go to this commercial? Because, you know, she would be paid for that work as opposed to like have the possibility. And he even told her like, you should probably go do the commercial because we're, um, we're pretty much almost decided on this other actress. And apparently she like really worked really hard, read the book and, decided to do the audition and she blew everyone away that's crazy did you know sissy spacex cousin is rip torn really isn't that fucking wild that's awesome i didn't know that dude rip torn has one of the best uh parts in deep space nine like he is a he is a he's in deep space nine oh yeah he's he's like four seasons of deep space nine yeah and uh and very prominent uh throughout like uh huh. yeah it's great it, i i was like who's voice cuz he plays a klingon and so you're like oh. whose fucking voice is that you're like that sounds like rip torn and uh and sure it'd enough be, it'd be great if he was a uh a vulcan it's like that's not logical <laughs> <laughs> that is not logical <laughs> I don't experience emotions. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, they had to make him a Klingon because all he experiences is emotions. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I mean, Klingons were probably based on Rip Torn. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So, yeah, the casting casting was interesting. And, and Sissy Spacek, apparently they, like, the, the production uh, or the, what do you call it? United Artists or whatever is like she's too pretty for to play Carrie and and it's it's kind of interesting they do a real good job of of making Sissy look really frumpy and and like not notable and then has like a glow up towards the end with the prom you're like I always thought Sissy Spacek looked kind of weird and and frumpy because I think I associate her with the early part of the film she's got you know, we talked about uh, Anya Taylor-Joy on the last episode with the, the menu. I guess it's not the last episode, but um, – and she's kind of similar. Got a real unique look. But, yeah, when she when she uh, is at the prom, you're like, oh, yeah, she is a very pretty woman. Well, it's not just – it's not just, like, the makeup, you know, or anything like that. It's her. Like, she really does an excellent – like, a lot of that – uh, quote frumpy look is is just being looking hunted like looking like the bottom of the food chain in high school like she embodies that like uh that super trodden upon kid 
so well um, that a lot of the mannerisms is enough to just make you go, oh, you sweetie, like, oh, you poor thing. I remember high school and like, oh, my God, like I had like we got to get into this thing where where high school and middle school were just like the scariest parts of life. Like, I don't, I don't have any idea how to make things better around this, but holy shit. Like the just hate and, and the narcissism and the just unbridled cruelty, uh, of that time is so perfectly captured in this amplified version of this whole thing in this movie. It feels, it feels like PTSD watching this movie for me. It's like, Oh no, these kids are popular and Oh, they have, they're hatching some plan against me. And like, Oh, it's so gross. Does that, uh, does any of that get brought up? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's like, kids at that age like a huge part of of that trauma and like all the difficulties that arise around middle school and high school is around the imaginary audience and kids think that what they do is perceived at like a um you know hyper aware level from other people at all times and so you're mortified by things that are just no one really cares about, but all it takes is like a side comment or just like, like you're wearing those shoes, you know, and then you're just devastated and you can't leave the house for a week. Like, <clears throat> I mean, not to say that there's not bullies and there and kids can't have a hard time, but I mean, I remember middle school, like that was the time when, when I was like seriously considering like homeschooling. I was like, can I get my mom to homeschool me? Like I, I am so miserable and depressed at all times. And it's not like I was super bullied. It was like, I just felt that imaginary audience and there was enough like comments on my weight or whatever that, um, it just devastated me. And like, I, I hated going to school and being around people and, you know, I, uh, again, if I think back on it, it's not like anyone beat me up. It's not like there was a group of people that focused their efforts on, of bullying on me or anything. And I had friends, like I had a good group, you know, I didn't, wasn't super awkward outside of, you know, just being normal, young, awkward, but yeah, even me, it was like the most mortifying, devastating part of my life, <laughs> you know, and that's just a feature. And that's like if you like if I talk to my wife, you know, she was a she taught at high school and middle school. And that is like a really important thing that teachers are aware of um, and especially difficult in things like band or choir where they're like they don't want to make a sound or be judged by anyone. And you're trying to overcome that. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, in this movie, I mean, so that's heightened because we get a a look into her home life, which is equally as alienating. Um, Like, she's just, her mom is a psychopath, 
uh, a religious uh, extremist um, and and has no love for uh, for Carrie at all. No love. Z- right. Zero. It's she's it's, getting it. She's getting it from all ends. I mean, before we move on from the first scene, like. So she has her period in this locker room and she's unequipped with how to and it's kind of ridiculous like yeah if you start bleeding probably your first thing wouldn't be to run up to people and rub it on their shirts to get help but she's she's like completely unequipped and shocked she's having a panic attack yeah she's having a panic attack and the girls are like you know throwing towels and tampons at her telling her to plug it up and then even the gym teacher comes over and she's like slapping her (laughs) it's like the scene out of airplane when (laughs) there's the line of people slapping pull yourself together yeah so even the gym teacher that which is later shown as like a very sympathetic empathetic character to carrie and you know even her she's like like pull yourself together you insane teenager and then so that like that explains half of it and then the other half is like, yeah, like you said at home, her her mother is like a actual religious psychopath. You yeah, know? like like a narcissist and and a like yeah and a psychopath, like a real a a, a Machiavellian character, like someone who will do anything it takes to manipulate you into whatever her device is. <laughs> just just fucking insane, like. Every part of this poor girl's life is hellish. Uh, and um, yeah. And like her mother is superstitious to the point. Like, that's the thing is like, it's generational. Like you kind of fill in the gaps of like, well, what was her mother like? You know, what was, what's grandma doing? Because her mother like thought basically, you know, had thoughts that having a period is, you know, a sign of sin and that if you were sinless, you wouldn't come, you wouldn't have this curse come upon you because she reads in Genesis, you know, how it was a curse to womanhood. And then also later you find out at the very end, like that she was, you know, she describes as basically marital rape that she only had sex once and she did not like it. And it was, she viewed it as sinful and she never had sex again. Shockingly, her husband left her, uh after that uh but just all of this trauma and these ideas around sexuality is generational and (laughs) creates like a horrible environment to be raised as a teenager um to the point where it's like actual like um what, what do you what do you call it abuse you know like religious abuse she she shoves her in a closet to pray for forgiveness for having a period. And she's like, got this weird shrine to St. Sebastian. And, and yeah. And, and it's revealed like that. There's no, like, there's no, like her mom is, is a, is weirdly enough. Okay. So I have a little bit, I don't want to speak way out of turn, but, there is this thing where some women really just hate women. Um, I don't know what that is, um, but uh, 
my mom has been disparaging towards femininity uh generally uh at times um consistently and um and I don't know what that is but it's not good and uh and there is a monologue uh where Carrie's mom explains how there is no way to win as a woman like you are bad like that you're inherently evil because you are a woman um it, because the bible etc like there's not really a logical like tie it's some religious fanatical bullshit that she's like yeah she's carrying from a generational standpoint but it's there's no way for carrie to win there it's horrible it's the worst yeah, <laughs> yeah and so that's like I mean, as as the movie goes on, where you 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 cheer for, you're rooting for, for like overcoming all those obstacles. Um, so as a result of this like situation in the locker room in the beginning of the movie, the gym teacher punishes all the other girls. Um, so Carrie is sent home for like a week, and all the other girls have to serve detention under the gym teacher and this is like one of aaron's favorite scenes like the the workout detention scene um but it's all just all the girls like doing push-ups and it was like a training sequence from rocky um and one of so it was either that or you don't get to go to prom was the punishment and so chris uh hargenson the character in the movie you know, refuses to participate in this punishment and is banned from the prom. And it seems like she like gives up at the very end. Like you could have just stuck it out for like a couple more hours. And she's like, no. And so she's banned from the prom. And so she decides to get revenge on her and start hatching the scheme with, with John Travolta, um, to get her to help. And, it's kind of touched on, you know, you don't really, I mean, if this is your only exposure to Carrie, you don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, but I mean, you do, but it's, they're shown like doing weird stuff, like killing pigs and putting this bucket of blood somewhere in the prom stage. And it does, it's not really very clear until the very end of what they're doing, which is they're going to dump this bucket of blood on Carrie. So that's all going on. I love this. How to, <coughs> one of my favorite scenes is uh john travolta and and nancy allen at the drive-in movie theater and she's recruiting him which is the easiest thing to do probably for a teenage guy which is she just gives him a blowjob yeah and it's it's such a funny scene because number one it's implied that she's going down on him but the entire time she's saying his name it's like Billy. 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 And he's oh, leaning back. He's Billy. Like, uh, hey, I'm <laughs> Vinny Babarito. Hey. And, uh, but she's like, keep saying Billy. And I'm like asking myself, like, is she just, every time she comes up, she's like, I mean, uh, I'm sorry. This is the one like unbelievable part from on Brian De Palma's part. Cause it should have been, it should have sounded like Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Oh, oh, Ryan. 
Yeah, dude. Right? Am yeah, I wrong? Dude, don't stop. <laughs> That's hot. And then she's, and he's like about to come, and she says, "I hate <laughs> Carrie <laughs> White." <laughs> Which <laughs> I'm gonna say, ladies, try it. <laughs> yeah. Give your give your significant other a blowjob, and right as he's like grabbing your head and being like, "I'm gonna," just say. I hate Carrie White, and just see what his reaction is. You know. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, and then and then he's just and then he just just goes out and destroys every copy of Carrie that he can find. Right. Um, uh, yeah, it's. I love. Okay, so it's so weird to see John Travolta as a really evil, like like a high schooler. You know, because he's so John Travolta, you know, and uh, and um, I don't know. There's just something very strange because it's 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 a real kind of grease kind of role. You know, he is kind of this this guy or or, or uh, American graffiti kind of feeling kind of role, you know, like it's just, he's cruising the strip with his girl, you know. He's getting a blowjob at the fucking at the Funyun shack or whatever the hell. And uh, and then she's like, let's commit a heinous act of cruel violence. And he's like, hey, hey. You know, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Go murder some pigs. Hey, you're going to uh, ruin this girl's whole fucking life. <laughs> got a blowjob. It's like, hey. Yeah. Uh. <sighs> The other, the other thing. I mean, I think it like portrays it pretty well in terms of like young teenager cruelty. That it's just they're not given a lot of thought into it. They they they're not thinking about what impact this is going to have on their victim. They're just like <laughs> this will be hilarious. You'll be hilarious. We'll do a horrible thing to another person for our own entertainment. Hey hey. And you're just like, yeah, that I remember doing that shit as a high school and, and having that shit done and being like it to you and just being like, I'm a person and other people being like, ha, 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 you're not a person. And the, the, like that, <laughs> like weird dichotomy of like somehow the next like you could have some fucking horrific you could have a bucket of blood dumped on your head uh, and be like horribly humiliated. And then the next day. Uh, your friend would be like, you know, I don't really like Lauren that much. You'd be like, let's dump a bucket of blood on her head. <laughs> it's like, what kind of fucking psychopath? And the answer is high school kids. You know, it's, it's like, all the rage. It's it's just it's just they're they're fucking lunatics. They're not real people yet. Right. Yeah. It's uh, so that's happening. And then while that's all going on, Sue Snell, played by amy irving um she's shown see this is this is where it was a little confusing even though this isn't my first time watching it i couldn't couldn't really remember but sue snell one of the girls convinces her boyfriend to go to prom with carrie yeah tommy ross and tommy is shown as like he kind of likes or protects carrie a little bit in one of these scenes in in the classroom where she 
she thought that his poem that he wrote was beautiful and and they were making fun of her and he like told kids to stop so there's they're portrayed as sympathetic but even even then i'm like i was confused whether they were in on it or not like i was like is this part of the setup and i and i guess i missed it because it wasn't to me it wasn't obvious until the very end in the prom when sue snell like looks at the the string and figures it out too late um no yeah no sue and tommy are not in on it at all and um and furthermore tommy's kind of tommy is the most believable tommy and sue are the most believable characters in this whole thing or they're what make the movie work for me the most because sue has a gen you know is of all these this this uh this you know comic gallery of of horrible girls who 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 lash out at carrie at the start one of them sue is feels empathetic when when her when appealed to by miss collins uh she's like oh yeah we fucking yeah we did a horrible thing to just a just a sweet girl who didn't do anything like and she's like you know what i have to do something about that and and she's you know she implores her boyfriend tommy who to to go to prom with carrie and and in so doing tommy's like you know he's like a normal kind of guy he's like look i don't i want to go with you this is my prom too you know like what why i don't you know i don't care really but he's convinced to care and eventually he he sees the humanity in carrie and wants to have a good time with her and show her a good time and and yeah it is as the viewer you're like is tommy gonna do her dirty is he gonna wrong her he never does he's just a nice guy and and if it weren't for that the whole movie would be unbearable it would be unbearable cruelty you could just take the name carrie and just make it unbearable cruelty and it wouldn't be nearly as watchable because it's just it would just be too hard to sit through uh i think i think the inclusion of sue and tommy are like the most important part of this because they are just this little sliver of kindness and empathy that you're not sure about like you're you're kind of like are they gonna hurt her and they try not to um i think a lot of the changes um in the movie from the book are kind of related to who's sympathetic and who's not in the story like i know I, I think from what i understand that in the book the gym teacher just kind of hates carrie and is really cruel to her throughout and in the movie obviously she slaps her in the beginning but also she's like kind of on carrie's side and she's like kind at, to her at prom and and very supportive um but even then is killed at the end um oh. <clears throat> Um, so she gets invited to prom. I think part of the reason why I was so confused is that the, the gym teacher is kind of interrogating Sue and Tommy about why they're doing this. And Sue is kind of not giving any reason for it. I'm like, well, why is she being like sly about it? And Tommy is like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just here for the ride. Um, but you know, they, obviously from like Tommy's interaction with her, he's, he's like, he's a stand up guy. Like he, 
he does care about her and wants her to feel comfortable and wants to give her like um you know confidence to the point where like it looks like he's starting to really like her you know towards the end um so they're all getting ready for prom um carrie is making her dress a la cinderella and her mom is being wicked a la cinderella uh some great i mean probably the the best (laughs) one of the best scenes from the movie is is her trying to convince carrie not to go and she's like I guess in the I guess in the book, like she was wearing reds, which kind of makes her comment in the movie a non sequitur, where she's like, "Red, it had to be red," and then Carrie's like, "It's pink." <laughs> <laughs> Are you like, what's the matter? Can you? I yeah, I think there's some allusions to, I don't know. I t- kind of took that to mean as her mom just sees red, you know, like I I read into it a. L- a little bit probably too much i wanted to before we get too much further i wanted to go back to miss collins as being another one of the the three characters that make the whole thing pop and work like yeah you're you're saying you're like well she's interrogating her and and yeah her slapping her really puts you off you're like why did she hit her and the answer is like 70s like kind of like it was okay to hit anybody back then. We weren't could, pussies back then. That's the real. That's yeah, the you can, you can, you can literally assault people all day long as long as they're significantly weaker than you. As long as you're an adult hitting a kid, perp, that's good. We endorse that anyway. But yeah, no, Miss Collins, you're also like, I, you know how people describe sympathy versus empathy. You know, they're like sympathy is just feeling bad for someone and empathy is feeling for someone is fe- is like putting yourself in those shoes. Miss Collins, I feel like is a sympathetic person and Tommy and Sue are empathetic people. And so you get a little bit of this, like this, like mommying, like Miss Collins is kind of like another, is like a mom who cares, but is still a mom. And is just like, yeah, I, I it's a, a little bit it's it's complex it's an interesting thing in this other like i don't know i get this i get this feeling that maybe it's just my own head like i just can't i have a hard time taking 70s movies as being can as able to be like enlightened but uh but it's, it's really it's a an enlightened like it's it just feels so gross and grimy and it's weird to have all this like intricacy in this gross grimy thing i guess is is what i'm trying to say anyway uh yeah so anyway i just want to say that yeah so she's getting ready for prom and she's like dressed up and her and her mom's like oh and (laughs) some great lines in addition to that one where she's just like you know how how do i look mommy she's like you got your dirty pillows out i can see your dirty pillows and immediately I turned to my Carrie on the couch and I was like, I can see your dirty pillows. And she's like, mm, like that. Yeah. Get um, crazy with it. And I think, yeah, apparently I just looked it up. Apparently dirty pillows was originated by Stephen King in the Carrie novel. He was the originator of dirty pillows. So 
I mean, just for that, he should be lauded. Um, and then it goes to the prom. Um, we see some of the, of, um, what's her name? Chris's henchmen, uh, getting involved in stealing the election. <laughs> just like these last two elections in America. Yeah. The last like 25 elections in America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like all the elections. Infowars.com. And so it's set up that Carrie and Tommy are going to win uh, Prom King slash Queen. Um, and they do. And then the, the finale of the movie that, that everyone knows, like, it's no secret how it's on the fucking poster, how it ends, which is the Carrie and, and Tommy win, the bucket of blood pours onto Carrie, and. They're all they all laugh at her and there's this really dreamlike quality that sets in in prom where they're dancing and it's spinning and then i threw up four or five times because i'm <laughs> because i'm really old and get vertigo while watching tv <laughs> right um and, yeah that uh, scene is like they de palma put them on like a turntable and the camera on a turntable to like make it even more disorientating. I was, and they, he dwells on it for like a full five minutes. It feels I, like I was out. I was just like, oh, <laughs> it's just like, like you know how? Remember how when you were a kid and you'd be like, I'm having fun, and you'd like roll down a hill or like spin on a carousel or something uh -huh. like that, and you'd be like, wee, I'm kind of dizzy. <laughs> Whoa, I, this is weird. If I turn around too fast, 90 <laughs> degrees, 90, a quarter spin. I'm like, Ugh! you know, like, so this part of this movie, I was just like, I think I'm going to hurl. And, uh, and then Garth came by and he was like, if you're going to spew, spew into this. Um, but th then, th but at this point, the movie takes on this dreamlike quality for me where I'm not sure what's exactly real and what's not. And I love it. Uh, there's like, there's some dream sequences. There's some real sequences that seem like they could still be dreams. There's, well, and they use like the the like the super super soft focus. Yeah, on like a lot of stuff to make it feel like yeah, like dream dreamlike and wistful or whatever. So yeah. I mean, the whole film is kind of like that. It feels like heightened, you know. It's not, it's, it's not like a reflection of reality, basically, but it's a reflection of how reality feels internally to teenagers. And so, so they drop the bu bucket of blood on her, and then the bucket falls off and apparently kills Tommy. I think that's it. Bonks him right in the head. Um. They're all laughing at her. And then Carrie, I guess we haven't mentioned that also, by the way, she has telekinetic powers. Well, that's kind of important. That's been established throughout the movie. Yeah. yeah, she's like, I've read about it, Mama. It's called telekinesis, and there are dozens of us. It's telekinesis, Kyle. Um, <laughs> so she shuts the doors and burns the fucking building down with everyone in it, which is the most satisfying ending that could possibly happen. At its core, this is a revenge movie. And uh, and it is so fucking satisfying. You're like, because it, it because she doesn't because she just sees red. You know, it's just like everyone now, everyone will die. 
everyone. I don't care. I have no, I have nothing left inside me that is, that is able to, you know, to, to be nice. And, uh, this is so metal. Like I was just like the last 20 minutes of this movie could just be set to like hardcore death metal. And you'd be like, this is fucking awesome. Like this is fucking awesome. And, and yeah, I mean, this is like, I don't know how many revenge movies there were before this, but lots. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is not the original revenge movie. There's, it's a whole genre that stretches back. How long? Probably to the beginning of film. I mean, revenge stories are pretty standard. That's true. That is true. But, uh, I will say, uh, tent pole revenge like this is this right. may be like I don't know. I, one I mean, of the most satisfying revenges too, <laughs> just because it's instantaneous it's not like oh something happened it's not like kill bill where something happened years ago and they're meticulously planning it's like no the meticulous planning was on the bully's part and the revenge is instantaneous which is fun so she kills everyone uh, apparently there's some this is where a lot of changes are in the between the book and the in the film how it ends and and Stephen King really likes the ending that Brian De Palma came up with um um but she leaves the prom she kills everyone there uh Chris and uh Barbarino get away hey Barbarino and then <laughs> hey hey, hey Barbarino Barbaribob Barbaribob uh, yeah Sleepaway Camp is on Tubi too um so they're like driving and Chris is going to try to hit Carrie with her, their car, which is like, you know, also straight up murder. They're, and then yeah, they're just so like, horny on it. They're like, eh, yeah, we're going to kill her. And it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so Carrie kills them and then she goes home to have a nice soothing bath. And then her mom, like hiding behind the door, like decides to stab her in the back. Literally. Yeah, like in the kidney, dude. She's like, ah. And you're like, wow, this bitch never had any love for her own daughter. She's like, I should have killed myself before having you. And just like, I should have killed you too. And you're like, oh my God. Like, because her description isn't, her description of it is a rape, but she was married at the time. And it sounds like it was on their honeymoon. So it's not like. It was traumatic for her, but it sounds like it wasn't non. Oh, well, I don't know. Uh, it wasn't like a a even in Christianity terms, like having sex in marriage is not sinful. I mean, that's like the only place to have sex is within marriage for having kids, which is the description of the only time that she had sex. Apparently it's kind of like a core tenant of Christianity in the Bible. You know, it's kind of like really this is, these are, we got some big bullet points. This is one of them. <laughs> like, right. Um, so anyways, and then, and then Carrie at the end kills her, kills her mom. Um, a la St. Sebastian with a bunch of knives, um, using and, telekinesis. But, th- but then, the most fucking bizarre thing happens. The house <laughs> turns all like yeah, it goes full poltergeist, full poltergeist, and and it's like it starts crumpling in on itself yeah, and it like sucks into the ground, even. lighting on fire, and like Carrie takes refuge in the room that 
you know, that she's made to do penance in when she's bad. And um, it's very, like, this very dreamlike. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? This Earth is swallowing. It's insinuated by her mother that she is a, a puppet of the devil. And you're kind of like, is the devil reclaiming the house? Like, is he, like, foreclosing on the mortgage right now? Like, what's happening? And then... And then afterwards, like in a dream, in Sue's dream, like there's just coal where the house was right. and a for sale sign that says here lies, you know, the down yeah, in hell. For sale sign in the, in the shape of a cross, by the way. Yeah. Down in hell lies Carrie below here. And then the best fucking jump scare. This scared the fuck out of me. I was like, ah, oh no. Like. When she's like kneeling down, when Sue is kneeling down next to the for sale sign and Carrie's hand reaches up and grabs her. I was like, fuck, I fell for it. I fell for it. Like this is every like the every Friday the 13th fucking jump scare uh, you can imagine. But like really well done, man. Yeah, like um <clears throat> Yeah, it's a great, satisfying ending. Uh, scary, and like stands the test of time. And you know, apparently, like this was out of the blue a success. Like no one expected this to be successful. Um, Brian De Palma was coming off of a movie called Obsession, which didn't do good in theaters, and I think they offered him another movie but it went it went to someone else um famous and then he got Carrie um and no like the the studio I think United Artists like it didn't fit into their style like United Artists it's not quite like what we associate with like A24 but it is more you know, highfalutin. So this, the other films that came out this year, um, with Carrie were Rocky and network. So they're, they made big, big movies that were, you know, more, you know, uh, intellectual or whatever. So they didn't really care about this movie and they probably left De Palma alone for the most part. Rocky was intellectual. Wait, what's network, the network network network. Have you seen um, it's, that? Yeah, it's a really famous. It, it's uh, strangely prescient about uh, the media in modern times. Oh, interesting. Um, that's the one where at the end he's like, "I'm mad as hell, and I I'm not going to stand for it anymore." When they're yelling it out. Anyways, um, so like they're they're more like auteur movies. Um, there's like social commentary movies and then Carrie's just like this throwaway horror movie. It's not, I don't think I, I don't I mean think, to them, but like right. it became so successful. It like exceeded all expectations that there were multiple copycats after Carrie. There's a, like a swath of teenagers with telekinesis. It was like a subgenre for a couple of years because of Carrie. A very Stephen Kingy sort of, I mean, I, do, I look, I'm not a, it's, if you listen to the podcast, you know how, where I stand on Stephen King. I you think he's a fabulous writer. I, I'm just not a fan of personally of his stuff, but 
Um, but so I don't, I only know about Stephen King what has been made into film. I, I just can't get through his books. I just don't get what, where he's coming from with like powers and how people get them and what they are like and why he finds it interesting. Well, it's all, I mean, I think canon is like, it's all the shining, you know, it's, it's basically in different books. It's called the shining versus like, you know, pushing or like, I think every like supernatural power power around telekinesis or even in, um, the dead zone with like the ability to touch people. Like it's all the shining basically. And it explains it a little bit in, in uh doctor sleep. I mean, that's the one of the few that I've read where it, it basically tells you that it's the power, but it manifests in many different ways and different people. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit like uh midi chlorians. <laughs> yeah. It's like we have a thing it's the force. It can be now we explain it with midichlorians and it's like, okay, like it's a little bit of your own fart sniffing, but it's also a little bit of your own universe. So, okay. Fine. But Hey, yeah. I mean, it's worked for him. Like oh. it's not undeniable. I mean, yeah. Carrie Firestarter, the shining, like Stephen King can do whatever the fuck he wants. Oh <laughs> yeah. No, no doubt. No doubt. Um, anyway, so who would you, who would like this or who would you recommend this to? Okay, so I think this is such a fabulous movie. Uh I wish we'd have gotten a female's opinion on this. Uh and and really I I truly do blame this on squarely on Zencaster. Um fuck you and your shitty platform, Zencaster. Uh because we just have too many technical difficulties to risk getting a, a, a another person on here. But I will say I'm very interested to know how this strikes our female audience, how, how important this is um, and and what it's like um, to, to go, you know, through puberty as a woman uh, must be. I mean, it, it's traumatic no matter who you are, but, you know, uh there's something especially, I don't know, in this movie it's shown as gruesome. A yeah, lot and tell us what would... it's like in those female locker rooms, like, slowly and in detail. No, like, no, seriously, it's, so many people describe it as beautiful. So many people describe it as also, as also being, like, terrifying or scary, not knowing what's happening to your body. I mean... Puberty is a confusing time for anyone, but um, but the the way this movie uh, depicts like not just femininity, but in all the good aspects, but definitely in like the the poisonous, toxic, horrifying aspects, like like these girls are so horrible to her, and um, yeah, I, I it's just a. It's a slice of high school, and um, it does it really well. Like, it does it really well. Um, I don't know. I makes you realize how unfair puberty is for women versus men. It's like, for boys, it's like, oh, my dick gets bitter, bigger, and it feels way better, and I start coming. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. And then girls, it's like, oh, this is when your body starts attacking you, and you bleed out of orifices. 
in super inconvenient ways and your emotions go wild. I'm like, hmm. High five, man. Woo! <laughs> Rock solid dicks, bro. <laughs> I'm up for days. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a must-see for anyone that's a fan of horror. Like, it's, you know, it's an important film. Like, I, I think this is one of the few where there were Academy Award nominations. I know Sissy Spacek got a an award nomination uh, for acting, and someone else got one for a uh, supporting role. It might have been... Uh, what's her name? The girl that plays Sue. I'm not, not quite sure, but... So I mean it's it was recognized in like as an important film at the time and uh and so go see it. And yeah, women call and leave us a voicemail at 6822534468 and let us know what this movie means to you and how accurate it is in the experience of going through your first menses and high yeah. school. And anybody who grew up going to high school in the 70s, like, I'm interested to know what that was like, particularly. So call us, call in about that as well. Like, let us yeah, know how, how this they is. They didn't have phones with, with TikTok on them, like, where they were just all looking at them all day. All they had to do was, like, look at each other and torture each other. So, you know, it was a different time. They just had wads of tampons sitting in their back pocket ready to fucking pounce. <laughs> They're all Okay, so let's move on. Speaking of voicemail, let's move on to horror movie whores. Okay, horror movie whores. Um, if you didn't know, you can call and leave us voicemail at 682-253-4468. How far back are we going? Uh, what's oh, the November twenty second. Shit! So it's a while. <laughs> we'll see how many we get through before we rage quit. Okay, here we go. Morning, boys. It's the Chef of Freak, Dick Mancreed. I hope you're both doing well. Y'all listen to the Afterpod for Smile, and you guys are playing some fucking wild ass violin music. Um, I would definitely want to cue that shit up if I had the balls to uh, defend my home from an intruder. Uh, Alexa, cue up uh, creepy fucking violin music while I go ham on a dude. Uh, what soundtrack from what movie would you like your life to be uh, to be played during your life, like your everyday life? Like, what, what kind of soundtrack would you want to listen to? I'm going to go with the synth uh, stuff from It Follows, because that shit's a vibe all on its own. Anyway, love you, boys. Take care. And uh, I'll talk to you before Thanksgiving. Have a fucking happy Thanksgiving. We had a, a happy fucking, thanks. We had a fucking happy thanks. Thanks, <laughs> Dick Mancrease. Um, yeah. I mean, my answer is Indiana Jones. What Not, was the question? It was like, what soundtrack would you want playing to your life? To, oh, to your life? Yeah. I'd say Indiana Jones. Not because I'm adventurous or full of adventure. I think it would just be really ironic to watch a middle-aged fat man sit in front of a computer screen all day. With super adventurous music. Dun 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 click. Dun 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 click 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 send. Dun 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 
Oh man, yeah, no, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Oh, I guess I'd have to go with Boogie Nights just because it's a fucking stellar soundtrack. You know, yeah. like you can't beat the soundtrack of Boogie Nights. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty stellar. Yeah, I yeah, uh, I I want to come up with something clever, but instead I'll just go with quality. You know, right? You can't. Okay, next caller. Yo, it's Mike from California again. Uh, I just wanted to call and apologize because uh, I accidentally said the chick on Terrifier 2 was hot, which she was, but then I saw she has pronouns uh, in her Instagram uh, profile, which means she's been hit in the head with either a baseball bat or a spear. Uh, either one apparently did the trick, so uh, fuck her. Whoa. Keep up the great work, guys. Tell me to speak. Is that Mike from California? Shot. Yeah. So do first of all, you do you. Goodbye. Fucker. Uh yes, well, happily I would. Um but you know, if that keeps you from falling in love with a gorgeous woman, then you know, that's that sounds like a you problem, you know. Yeah, what are you gay? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being gay. It just seems, you know, I mean, we we accept. Right. It's just, it just seems like, uh, you know, anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I, whatever. I mean, it's, it is a bit of a, it is a weird dichotomy going on there to have your pronouns in your profile and be the star of a, of Terrifier 2. That's a little bit problematic as, as people might say today, um, You know, a movie that fully advocates rape and violence against women, a hundred percent. You know, I just say you do you, like, boo. and yeah. I I have confidence that the uh, the marking of your pronouns is not. I mean, that's why I think it's just funny because, like, do you really think in five years anyone is going to be doing that? What? And maybe this won't be age, maybe this won't age well, but do you think? That that's going to be a thing long term. Do think I think that people will will list their pronouns long term? Right. Hmm. That's a good question. I have no. It's very hard to tell. Because uh, I mean, it's it's being put in like digital profiles and stuff. Yeah. Now, so maybe like it'll email have, like email. Uh, yeah, but sign I, mean, I feel like it's not like conversations are going to start like, "Hey, I'm Bryce Hansen, he him." Uh, just, you know, nice to meet you. Um, what's your pronouns? Like, it's just not. (laughs) Well, for those of us who don't, um, you know, who don't present, uh, the way we feel it, it is helpful. Um, I list mine, um, and I start sentences that way. So to me, I think it might last, uh, because I, I would prefer it to. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, do you think it's do you think it's just too awkward to last? Yeah, I don't I don't think it's Yeah. I, uh moving on. Mm. Another one from Mike. Hey boys, Mike from Steel City. I was giving you a call back. I want to answer David's question. I am a Patreon subscriber. I'm at $25 tier and I'm trying to help you guys out the best I can. Thank I wanted you. to comment on the smile review. I 
have such a hard time with movies that are like psychiatric. Uh, being a therapist myself and having worked in a psych hospital, they the first scene pissed me off so much I had a hard time with the rest of the movie. They are in that room. They have the big rubber chairs like you would. They they make it appear like it's safe and they're they're really trying to present that image, but then have a glass base in the middle on the table never happen. It would absolutely never happen. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And she's the worst doctor. She just stood there and watched him bleed out. Uh, I don't get it. You know, there's there's a lot of things in those movies that are just inaccurate. It wouldn't take anything to consult with somebody who has some base knowledge of mental health. And how do you get the chairs right and then have a base? I Working in the psych hospital, um, you know, there was a, a woman who was a bloodletter, right? So she enjoyed the feeling of cutting herself, letting the blood run out of her. Uh, it gives you kind of a feeling. And she was unbelievable on what she could get into the hospital. She would have catheters uh, in her stomach rolls. I mean, it, it was crazy the amount of searching that we had to do. But once we got her in there, there was a time where I was on observation with her. She stepped onto a table, uh, stepped up onto a chair, up onto a table, punched out a light, grabbed a glass, and had cut herself within three seconds. So you have to take a lot of precautions. You can't protect people in every single way. Uh, I had another guy who, you know, if you've ever seen the doors in a psych hospital, there's a, there's a, the regular door and then there's an inner door for somebody in case they, they barricade the door. So this guy kind of barricaded the door. He wasn't letting anybody in. We opened the inside door, and he was. We were trying to to kind of pull the push the door in and remove the stuff that he had barricaded himself in with. And he opened the door and started swinging it back and forth. And the inner door closed on his fingers, lopped them right off. And so we were picking up four fingers off the floor, put them on ice, and ran them to surgery. So you know some wild stories uh, I got for you, but I don't want to I don't want to blow my load yet. Um, I'll make sure that they're applicable to the movies. You guys take care. It's the day before Thanksgiving. I hope you have a good holiday, and I'll talk to you soon. Holy oh my shit! God, Mike kind of buried the lead there, Mike. <laughs> yeah, holy <laughs> fuck, <laughs> dude. Keep calling. <laughs> When, oh my god. We got to watch more uh psychological movies so that Mike can keep calling in. I will yeah, say okay, it, it is crazy ahead. if you know anyone that works like at hospitals or in like oh, situations where they're exposed to psychiatric patients and you realize like, "Oh, this is a whole different world that I don't know about." Oh, yeah. It's like my my brother-in-law was a cop and or no, before he was a cop, he was like a security guard at a hospital and he said like, "Oh yeah, we have these spit hoods, you know, to just put over people so they can't spin on you. But they all learn really quickly that you just like suck it into your face um, and get it really wet. And then you can just blow through it and all the spittle particles are are like spewed out from the spit hood. So you got to hood them twice. Like. And it's just said and just such like like throw away like, oh, this is just life for me. 
Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. I will say in response to Mike's criticism of Smile, uh, the thing that took him right out of it, you know, it's one of these things. I, I get it, first of all. Anytime I see a chainsaw being used, I'm intimately familiar with chainsaws, and I go, there's a problem here. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, so y- y- there's not – the answer is the reason the vase was there is they needed – you know, they needed some right. – they needed some way, you know, it's, it's either like the director was like, yeah, but we, we, it needs to, you know, I mean, you know, you, you know, you, Mike, you're a smart guy. Uh, you, you get it. It's just, I get why it's bothersome, but, um, holy shit. You know, uh, it seems like the answer to ba- the barricading issue would be just to make a door that swings out instead of in, uh, <laughs> Why not just put the fucking hinges on the other side? You know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's just, just carpentry thoughts on here. You know, just, just door yeah. hanging. All right, he calls again. Hey guys, I almost forgot. Mike from the Steel City. I was listening to the dash cam video, and I saw the movie before I knew much about Annie Hardy, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't like the movie as much because of some of the stuff that she was saying like it was just abrasive like the stuff in the beginning where she was so obnoxious to people it made me care less about her and so when you were talking about how like where's the line from her i was glad that she said like the director was making her do that i don't understand that decision like she's wild enough she's got enough personality she could be you know, all over the place, and you start to like her over the movie. Like, why do that? It, I just don't fucking get it. I think it was a stupid decision. Um, I think the movie was great. Also love that Desert. I keep mentioning it uh, in the, the comments and stuff, but I just really love the idea of live streaming. And I think what's so funny is that they do such a good job with the comments um, that people leave. Yeah, you know about like kill yourself, like watch out. Like, I just think it's it's very accurate to what streamers put up with. Um, you know the love and the hate. All right, guys, love you, bye. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a weird decision because like on one hand it's kind of commenting on streamers being some streamers being super annoying and toxic and abrasive on purpose. Yeah, so that they can get more views you know yeah that's Um, that's a big big part of live stream like being a a live streamer like a person who who walks around like that's a huge part of it it's just being so toxic right Um, yeah and like i mean all those there's a whole subgenre of like prankers that are like not really pranking people they're literally just harassing people and like doing hate crimes as a prank. Yeah, it's you know? just a prank, bro. It's There is an added element to this whole thing, which is Rob Savage, the director of Dashcam, was dating Annie Hardy throughout. Yeah. He, and she, uh, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but she has expressed in, in interviews and whatnot that, uh, that he really used her and then and 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 then just ditched her like kind of kind of fed her to the wolves you know right. made the made her this um this caricature of herself um with her own name and then when people started coming after her 
for the character that she portrayed in a a fictionalized movie, he was like, hey, guys, be nice to Annie. She's had a hard life. And yeah. um, I, I yeah. really want to get her back on the show because she's yeah, just a wonderful fun. person. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think, like, it, it made the movie spicy. And there's a certain mm. part where, like, it kind of creates it her actions more believable because she is so not concerned with what other people think of her. Like yeah, some of the decisions and reckless things that she does like feel realistic because yeah. of it. But yeah, it's, it's, I agree with you that they didn't have to change anything about Annie Hardy to make it compelling and, and like really watchable, you know? Yeah. All right, here we go from. Hey, it's Robert the farter. So I was just wondering if you guys had seen Jacob's Ladder. 1990. Um, I think that's a great psychological horror movie, if you have not seen it. And also, I just had a question for you guys. What are the three scariest movies, both of you, Bryce and David, what are the three scariest movies you guys have seen? Like, it could be movies you've seen at the theater or just movies you've seen at home, but just the movies that scared you the most. Anyways, Robert Carter. Um, Good question. Uh, I've seen Jacob's Ladder uh, probably about two years ago now, and it was, yeah, it was fine. I mean, I I, I don't really, you know, it didn't, it wasn't spectacularly uh, outstanding to me. Have you seen it? Um, I haven't watched it. I've seen clips from it. Um, it seems like one of those movies where it's like, goes so over the top that I would feel like desensitized watching it. Cause I'd feel like, oh, this is fake, you know? And like, it's, it's, it's the same thing with like, was that directed by Cronenberg? No. Or was that David Lynch? It feels like a David Lynch. Movie. I don't think it um, is. Let's but anyways, see. like, it feels like one of those movies where it's like so heightened where I can just like my suspension of disbelief is completely compromised. Uh, it's a really hard question answering what's the scariest movies. I'm not sure I can come up with three, but I, I know in the theater or while I was watching them, uh, Blair Witch, if oh, you're yeah. in the theater at the fir- at the screening where it was like, and you're exposed to the marketing, I'm hard pressed to think of anything of where I was more tense throughout. Um, same thing with paranormal activity. Like if you're bought into it, like just the feeling of dread, um, from just the sound. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know. It's hard to say cause it, it works different for different people, but, um, those ones are probably the ones I was like most on edge and like jumping. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, uh, first of all about Jacob's letter, it was directed by Adrian Lynn. Oh, not even close. Yeah, no, but, um, but Tim Robbins kind of looks like Cronenberg a little, a little bit. Uh, anyway, uh, scariest movies. Yeah, absolutely. Paranormal activity was probably like paranormal activity one, two, and three. They just, they're just the exact right thing for me uh they're just so perfectly perfect 
yeah, the, I had wonderful experiences watching those in theaters. You know, although um, uh, I will say, you know, Hereditary was was very very uh, scary for me. Um, it's uh, I yeah, that's oh oh, definitely one of them is a Terrados or Terrified uh, from twenty seventeen uh, Argentinian film. That got me good. That got me real good. I was, I, I was hard to watch. I was like so scared. But uh, yeah, so I'd say those wreck, like maybe wreck. Um, I'm going to apologize to Robert the farter. We got a lot of calls to get through, so I'm going to skip a couple. Um, no, don't him. get through them all. We'll just make an episode of it later. Uh, just don't skip them. Don't skip them. I don't want to waste them. Hey, good morning, guys. It's me, your boy, Manny. I just want to give you guys a quick call and say happy Thanksgiving and just wanted to say that I'm really grateful that from the time I came back to listen to you guys, I'm just really happy to, you know, hear you guys' voices again. You know, you guys were always my, you know, favorite podcast. And, like, the time I took off, you know, I was just trying to, you know, do better for myself. And then when I came back, I was just happy to hear you guys keep going and getting better and all that. So I just wanted to say happy thanksgiving guys and i'm glad that you guys are just doing so good and i wish the best for the upcoming years you know that's a whole movie talk i hope it grows and gets bigger and everything i love you guys so much and i hope you guys have a good thanksgiving with each other or with your family but much love for the hmc family so i love you guys have a good thanksgiving goodbye guys dude manny out here doing the fucking lord's work you seen this manny coming through stealing people's phones and putting up reviews on apple Podcasts for us he's like hey guys i'm just out here stealing people's iphones putting up reviews uh for hmt five stars baby it's like man you're the fucking best bro i hope you had a great thanksgiving i love you buddy yeah oh by the way thank you manny he sent he sent us some some gifts i'm thankful for manny um he sent us some christmas gifts i haven't shown this to you david oh baby we'll do a little unboxing here so do it do it um we got two boxes. One is uh, has Alien. Oh, dude, that's like from the fucking nineties, bro. And then we've got uh, the Crow Blu-ray. Oh damn! And then like a stack of comic books that are. Is well, that these ones have Godzilla? I think so. I got a so there's that one, and yeah. then there's an accompanying one that has a n- different stack of comics, a Predator toy. Hold on. Oh, baby, hold on, dude. I I got this. I got this friend out here, um, who's got the biggest, most badass Predator tattoo I've ever seen on his thigh. It is us astonishing like uh he's got a, an amazing tattoo of predator face damn this is son. from predator 2 action damn, figure Manny. and then Coming we got through. a pig blu-ray oh nice that's and another Cage. stack of comic books with like predator comics so um yeah i forgot to even tell you about that but we got this a little while ago Thank you, Manny. Manny. Thank you, Manny. Um, Killing it. Which one do you want, David? To, for me to send up to you. Yeah, Predator. No, I'll probably be down 
sometime oh, are you? soon. Well, hopefully. I'm, I think I got I think I got some medical stuff that needs to go on down there. I got some. Oh, you couldn't take it, care of it over the phone? <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> Join us on the Afterpod. We'll talk more about <laughs> David's experience. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Manny. Uh, we love you. Thanks I, for the I, support. Thanks for those five-star reviews. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, you guys want to be nice to the podcast? You want to support us? Steal your mom's iPhone and drop us a nice review uh, on there. Uh, here's, here's, here's Manny's review on, uh, on Apple Podcast. HMT is the title. It says, hey, guys, it's me, Manny. I have a goal to take people, people as iPhones and that I know and give you guys that five-star reviews that y'all deserve because I love you guys. The podcast, the community, it's just the best, Manny. Like, Thanks, yeah. Manny. Maybe not leave that in the review. You could probably just comment that to us. Yeah, just, be like, just be like, these guys are the fucking best. We love that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> love you, buddy. Uh, okay. Next up. What's up, queers? This is your girl, Glittercore. Just calling on Thanksgiving Day. Just got home from work. And wanted to say that I'm thankful for you every day, including today. And if you think I'm not watching the third installment of Thanksgiving, (laughs) well, I am. So hold on to your buttholes. Nice tits, bitch. <laughs> uh, she has another one. This is your girl Glittercore again. Um, so I'm like 15 minutes in on Thanksgiving. Thanks, God, Thanks Killing Three, and it it it's pretty terrible. Mm. I don't smoke weed, so I'm mm. struggling here. Uh, yeah. Um, I thought there would be more tits in it. And there's so far not as many tits in the first 15 minutes as I would expect and, uh, want. So, I might be turning it off soon. We'll see. I might (laughs) sacrifice so you guys can, uh, get the full review, but so far it's pretty bad. All right. Love y'all. Bye. Sounds like she might be a couple drinks in on that on that second call too how dare you <laughs> glitter core is w- one of the most lovely people um yeah. we we know and um man um yeah yeah love you too girl um she's been supporting us for so long and she's just so sweet and beautiful and i mean and she's working on herself you know like it's really like if if y'all aren't in therapy um Everybody just get in therapy, just, you know, just as a pub PSA, you know, um, if you love horror movies as much as we do, you need therapy a little bit. You just need to admit that about yourself. Even you, Mike, yeah. from California. <laughs> I'm trying to scramble to find her, her sound drop, but I can't find it. I've got big tits and a tiny vagina. Yeah, well, we could play it out with that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, thanks, Glittercore. I, I'm, I think it's time to call it. This is a long one. Um, no? Okay, one more. We'll just okay. do one more. Okay. We've we've got a couple. Okay, yeah, then it gets into some longer ones, but we'll we'll do this last one. It's only a minute long. Mm. 
Hey guys, it's uh, Tired Sandwich again, not uh, Mailman Rick or Nick or whatever you call them, Bryce. Okay. I am a mailman, but I am not that mailman. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, kind of kind of steady spaghetti about that, I'm just saying. Um, so I was watching the Barbarian um, one the other day, and I just, you know, I watched Barbarian again with my girlfriend, and I just don't get it, guys. I don't get why you guys like it so much. It wasn't a bad movie by any means, but it's not scary. It's not, it didn't get me at any point. And like, I don't know, it just, I don't know. What do you, I just don't get it. Try and explain it to me, please. But uh, love you guys. Have a good one. And a uh, big bear hug from your buddy, Tired Sandwich. Tired Thanks, Sandwich. Tired Sandwich. We have a whole review to explain to you what we liked about it we did that yeah we took about an hour and a half uh, yeah go listen to that. check it out um i mean i'm not want to sound condescending but if you don't like barbarian you just don't like having a good time that was a that was a fun movie it was fun and you know i mean really at its core that's that movie like really distills what i want in a horror movie which is like a deep, dark pit that you don't know what's in there. But there's <laughs> fucked up shit in there, and we're going to go on an adventure to see what it is. You know, like, there's this element of just, like, what's in the box? And mm-hmm. you don't know what it is, but it's fucked up, and it keeps getting more fucked up, and it's scary and spooky, and I like it. Yeah. What about you? Why well, I like Barbarian? Yeah. Um, I, I like any, I think I like any art form that starts out as one thing and ends as another thing. Like whether it's a song or a movie, like where it's got twists and turns and like surprises me and is unique. And Barbarian is definitely one of those where it sets itself up as like, this is a, um, you know, intellectual like thriller. This is like on the level of like a you know what you would mark as a thriller and then it goes like full retired uh at the end where it's no this is this is now a goofy woman monster that wants you to suck her breasts and chases after you but it's also satire it's also like the darkest version of comedy that you can possibly get to it's yeah. so fucking funny and terrible all yeah. at once. It's it's great. It's exactly what I would hope a uh, a, a veteran whitest kids you know member would come up with. It's yeah. just so fucked up. Um. Yeah. So that's a uh, horror movie. Whore. Um so thank you so much for everyone for listening. Um again, please share the podcast with a friend. Be like Manny. Leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and steal your friends' iPhones to do the same. Um if you want to support the show, there's many ways to do it. Um supporting our sponsors, supporting us directly on Patreon, or buying swag off of our horror movie talk shop. Christmas is coming up. I'm not sure if this Christmas is Christmas. 
<laughs> Merry Christmas, Chrysler. Christmas. Uh, go there, and again, like you'll get lots of perks on Patreon if if you want um, uh, to join us there. Special thanks to our new Patreon subscribers, and we'll see you on the flippity flop. You guys, we love you. Have a wonderful week, and uh, and don't be mean to people like these kids were mean to Carrie. That was mean. Yeah. Be nice. Good day, sir! Good day, sir! You lose! You get nothing! Is that a ringco? Yes, it is! It is! It is! It is! It is! Wow, that didn't sound good.